We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. You're good to see y'all, brothers. Good to see y'all. Welcome, everybody, to the 100. And 43rd episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. Super pumped about this. Uh, particularly, like, we're flirting with 150 episodes. And when you think about when we started, I did not think we'd be, uh, you know, I, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't that I thought we wouldn't reach there, it just never crossed my mind. Um, and so to be here is, uh, you know, is just really something, uh, something special. Um, and I was, I was thrilled when it was just audio. And I'm thrilled that it's now video. Then I got thrilled that we had live shows, right? Like, and so, um, and then just also excited that we're at times able to bring on guests, um, folks from our village to to join us and converse with us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a little short uh, today, but we got Dr. Robert Simmons with us. So he'll be able to, you know... Uh, fill in multiple shoes. Uh, that's what, that's what we're going to do. But before we, before I, uh, you know, introduce, uh, Dr. Simmons, just want to just let folks know that we are actually going to take a break this winter. So we have not done that since we started the show. Um, so we have this show and then we have next week, which will be the first show in December. Um, and also the last show of 20, 21 for us and then we will restart up in in 2022 in january so looking forward to uh you know having a, a little break a reset revamping um that we all need to do at times and we feel like you know we've not done that so even if some of us had to pull off the show kept going uh but we are going to take a, a little hiatus just you know about three weeks um uh before we jump back in but before we uh you know go around the the horn going to just introduce our guest. Um, it doesn't need introduction for many of our consistent viewers. They know there's a lot of cross-pollination amongst our work. But I will say that Dr. Robert Simmons is a scholar in residence and scholar of anti-racist praxis. So that means he got he's going to get run out of a few towns. He's anti-racist. You know? Uninvited from meetings. <laughs> yeah. Um, anti-racist practices in the School of Education at American University and a member of the Diversity Scholars Network at the National Center for Institutional Diversity at the University of Michigan. So he pulled in double weight, two universities, Michigan, as well as uh, a, I'm sure he has something to say about University of Michigan. Yes, uh, we do, bro. On the gridiron in a few minutes. Uh, Robert also served as the first chief of innovation and research in the District of Columbia Public Schools, DCPS, uh, Queen Kaya is the one who first told me about like, oh, yo, you need to connect with Robert Simmons, you know, and uh, prior to joining DCPS, Dr. Simmons was the director of the Center for Innovation in Urban Education and Institute for Urban Catholic Education at Loyola University, Maryland. And he's done a ton of stuff um, outside of that. Hopefully he'll get uh, um, into a little bit of that. Uh, during the course of the show, but welcome, bro. Welcome back. I should say. Oh man, welcome, it's good to see y'all, man. It's good to see y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, celebrating y'all for 150, however many shows. Uh, y'all provide light to so many people. 
Um, and I, I just, I'm always appreciative. Um, and in classes I teach, I think at least one of y'all at some point have been to a class to talk about the work. Ray yeah. came to talk about just the podcast in general. Um, I show some of the work that uh, Cole has. I shared his book with some people. So a lot of the work that uh, Chris is doing and all y'all are doing. So I just uh, got a lot of respect. Yeah, no doubt, man. Got a lot of respect for what y'all are doing, man. And uh, just appreciate y'all, man. So happy to be here um, and chip in. Um, since my Brodies are out, Chris and Ray, and uh, you know, all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. good, man. Stuff. Well, look, we're gonna start off with just asking a couple questions, you know, like, what are you up to? Uh, yeah. what's lifting you up or weighing down on your spirit, you know? So, if the lions are weighing you down, what's <laughs> lifting you up, and, and what are you up to just work wise, like you know, what and so it's work outside of work, things that just yeah, you, know, you enjoy tapping into. So we'll start with you, Simmons, and then we'll go over to the other doctor. So we got two doctors, yeah, man. two doctors and um, Mecky. That, that's what we're doing tonight. Oh my God! Go ahead. Oh, here he go, Cole. Here he, here he is. <laughs> and, he, and he get more than enough reverence than both of us combined. Correct. Exactly. Right. Uh, right. Right. Um, what's lifting me up is uh, Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in. I don't know, 10 years, second time in 20 years. So I was excited uh, to see that. Um, And uh, especially excited for the brother, Hassan Haskins, I think his name is. Mm -hmm. Don't know him personally. He's the running back. Um, But um, he's just a humble dude. Like they say, he's real quiet. He's very shy. He's not the boastful uh, Odell Beckham type. He ain't gonna show up with purple hair and then drop the ball. That's a whole oh, other conversation. That's a shot. Um, that's a shot. <laughs> he he's just a real humble guy, right? So I got a lot of love uh for him. What's uh you know, of course the Lions, they going undefeated. Oh 16 and one. Uh I mean first round draft pick this winter. Well well, they'll mess that first up and draft point. a punter or a kicker <laughs> with the first pick. So like <laughs> it don't matter, man. Like, it's just terrible. So, uh, you know, but the tailgating, for those that don't know, if you're ever looking for the best tailgating in America, it happens before the Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. Um, although the first time in my life, I'm actually telling people Detroit doesn't deserve the game and like it should rotate. Um, I just I just don't. I I don't know. Maybe I, I'm, I'm just getting old. Uh, I agree with you, bro. Um, these days. Um, I think that, um, you know, professionally ending up the semester. Um, I'm going to be, uh, taking on some new tasks that, uh, I'll, uh, probably put out in the universe, uh, December 13th ish thereabouts, uh, Mm -hmm. some new work I'm going to be taking on. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm excited about that new work. I'll still be connected to, uh, to communities just in a different way. So just, we'll put that out as a teaser. Uh, don't have official, official, uh, uh, what is approval to announce it till December 13th uh, based okay. on conversation. We're looking forward to it. We'll definitely yeah, tune man. in. Yeah. And if you're not yeah. following uh, Dr. Simmons on Twitter, you see his uh, handle right there. Make sure you follow him. Uh, Cole, what's going on, bro? Well, what's lifting man. you up? What's weighing you down? And what are you up to? Because you're always up to a million things all at once. Well, one thing that's lifting me up is I finally got to do what I wanted to do on Thanksgiving. I, I, you know, normally I would you know, go see people and, or last year I hosted, which was fine. But, you know, a lot of people don't know my mom. Well, I call her my mama, but my grandmother who I was raised by uh, until she passed away, she passed away on Thanksgiving. So I usually like to do solo things, but I got to do it this year. I got to go write 
Uh, I can't use most of the writing I did on that day, but I got to write and I got to go to the movies. I love movies. I got to see Ghostbusters and like House of Gucci. Like I like stuff like that. I got to watch the Kevin Hart thing. So I got to just do what I wanted to do and didn't have to put up for anybody. Uh, some of the stuff that I'm working on, man, there's just a lot of research. I'm doing some research in Cleveland right now. Um, and I'm just loving talking to people that's just from that community and just what they're doing. Um, I have a new video that I have to get to Josh. Uh, it, I will get it to you, Josh. Um, and that ties into um, what's kind of weighing me down. I, I think that, I think I'm just tired. I think uh, we just been going really, really hard. Uh, had a good conversation with, with, with the with the fellas from the A Black Hands uh, when we got to all kind of be together. And I, I didn't, I don't think I realized how much like just kind of going and going was kind of taking a toll. So this is a welcome break. And then sadly, um, Virgil uh, Abloh, um, renowned, just like fashionista, just a brother, like he 41 passed away today, 41 years old. And he had cancer uh, that he was privately battling. Uh, um, we were talking about this off 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 air. So I should probably paint a little bit of who he was for some of our yes. audience that may not know him. He came up with Kanye West, um, you know, they with their fashion sense and they kind of built out that fashion piece. Um, and he would have, you know, he helped out with Donda and, and, and those clothes and it would eventually go and, and become the creative like director or artistic director at Louis Vuitton. He created Off-White. So, you know, you see these um, very like specialized off-white Jordans or Serena Williams like played in one of her, her pieces um, in one of his, in one of his pieces. I mean, he is just a super influential guy. And, and what I was saying in the video that I'll get to, to uh, Josh later on tonight was I go and talk at all these schools, right? And I ask kids what they want to do. And I'm seeing like young boys, right? Like boys and girls, but I'm seeing young black boys talk about like, they want to do what Virgil did. They want to, they talk about high fashion and being in fashion houses and and having a crossover between hip hop and and like politics and and uh, building clothes and dressing Serena Williams and doing covers for Kanye West and for Drake and all these people. I mean, he just I, I had never seen that. And, and for a cat in Chicago, you know, to be talking about clothes and fashion. I mean, at the time he was doing it, you know, he's only three years older than me. I, I'm sure that wasn't the most. uh Put it like that, you have to have some courage to kind of be who you are and talk about those things. He's made this cool for a full generation, man. And it just uh it just hurt my heart to see, man. Lost that man at such a young age and, he, and his star was still rising. So, you know, he's he's gonna be like this generation's like Basquiat, if that if that helps kind of make it make a little bit more sense of of who he was and, and but he got to cross over into all these different fields. So that loss kind of kind of hit a little bit, man. And 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 he just I, I hope that I can have an ounce, you know, and, I, and and the people on this podcast, if we can have an ounce of the influence that he's had on on, on young people, man, that, that's a really successful run. So uh, rest in peace, young man. Yeah, no, thanks for that. And, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we have folks in the, our different spheres that, you know, and, and Rob and I, we had not heard of him. And so we appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. you know as always, like an opportunity to have like these intergenerational conversations where we get to, um, you know, uh, hear from folks. I, I remember when students were going nuts when uh, I don't want to mess up his name, but something like Juice Box or Just Juice or something. Um, he passed, and they were telling. I had never heard of you know, um, you know, uh, some of the folks. And I was telling Cole, I had never heard of Nipsey Hustle until we were actually on the show. And Ray said, and Cole was like, 
Oh man, he just was uh what Juice World. Okay. Yeah, Juice World. Oh, I didn't and, know what you was talking about, brother. Yeah, I, I just knew I just remember Juice. Yeah, you know. Both, um, yeah. Both, both of them are Chicago boys too, man. Okay. And uh and, and I mean and, and Ray is also a really big fan of 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 Berger too. I mean he you know he he has some off. Yeah, I mean he think he has fashion, so that, that makes sense. Now that you're saying like he's in a fashion, you know what I mean? Hey, Virgil was hard to find when he was alive, man. So you know, all that stuff you got. But but nah, man, I'm I'm glad that uh we could introduce you. I mean, you've introduced us to a lot of people too. I think, but I think that's the beauty of the podcast is that these other generations and worlds can kind of crash and collide with each other, you know what I mean? But that that dude was I mean, I really, really respect that cat for what he just just for I mean, come on, man. Black kids don't dream about Boys don't dream about growing up and being an artistic director at Louis Vuitton and like chilling with Anna Wintour. Like Anna Wintour was not a name <laughs> that was spoke. She she runs she she, yeah, she runs. Like, she's still not a who? name. Not like, she's, she's a huge name in the fashion world. So basically, it, you watch House of Gucci or you watch any of this stuff. Or Devil Wears Prada was kind of supposed to be loosely based off her. She's like when you in fashion across the world. When she put her stamp on you, it's you know she like the Oprah of that world, if that makes sense. Um, but Virgil just chilling, like just be like, yo, this this was in style this year, and she just like, okay. So it was big, man. It, I just seeing that conversation evolve just changed culture uh, and and made certain things cool that probably wasn't cool before. So I mean, I make my own sweaters and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. you know that streetwear stuff that you know you can create on your own. I'm not, I ain't no damn Virgil, but. There's not a I don't need to stress about lanes. I think that he's one of those people that shows you that you don't have to live in a so-called lane. You can do what you want if you work hard and you kind of mm-hmm. just be courageous with it. Um, so and I think that's what we're doing at a black hands. I think we're being courageous with education, talk and the work that we do, because it sounds and it looks different, but it's inspired a lot of people as well. Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, the arts is something that we don't talk about enough. Um you know, part of my uh, development as a teacher was being part of the art and music small learning community. And oh, so yeah. it was a year-round effort to do uh, resistance to the arts mm-hmm. and how the arts fuel so much within communities, like capture their stories, you know, uplift the traditions, fuel the resistance, you know, all of that. And so just different forms and ways that, you know, that the arts can come alive, you know, Um I have a student, hopefully before the end of the show, I remember the exact name of his uh, group, but, you know, he's, in LA, man. And he, he started like, you know, just drawing on sneakers. Right. And then he, that became a whole, a whole brand, you know, that he now like, you know, it's in stores now, you know what I mean? Or um, a young guy I grew up with, one of my best friends, elementary school, he's a DJ, DJ Miz, you know, ended up being like, you know, one of the world champions at one of those, uh, you know, contests back in the day and, uh, you know, in New York and stuff. And so, you know, just the, the arts in general, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, and and listen, the more uh, black fashion folks we can get, you know, the better, because, you know, Lord knows some of y'all need some help. Um, so that's good. You know, I, I just sometimes I wonder if we one of these live shows, if Ray and you and you, Cole, going to come in here looking like Kazuma. Uh, First off, the, the boy. <laughs> I don't know if y'all gonna walk off the plane <laughs> with the. We got these in sweaters, baby. This is this is all you can't get. No, you. that's cool. I can I can you know what I mean? Like yeah, I ordered one of those recently. You know what I mean? So that's what's up. I can I can, I can rock with with that. You know our next mean? line, I'll give you. I'll get I'll get you one. It's called. It's, it says disaggregate that ish. So you know, for my for my 
research people out there, man. But yeah, not, I like that. I'm gonna get one of them joints right yeah, there. So I, it, it'll be an adult one, and it'll be one that's censored. But uh, you you can choose. But nah, man. But I, I'm glad that you lifted that and, and check him out, Sharif. I actually think that um when you start reading the stuff, I think you know even if it ain't your flavor, like I didn't everything he made wasn't my flavor, but it, it but the impact and and just doing things that I had not seen anybody from our community do was just kind of dope. You know what I'm saying? I, this coming from a cat that loved FUBU and like followed Day, Day Rise and he took that to an additional level. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I'm all about, you know, I'm not that creative, so I'm always just enamored. I can draw a circle, brother, but they got creativity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, folks are with that creativity spirit and, you know, for us it started, you know, just long ago, even looking at Emery's work with the Panthers and like just starting to, you know, just put it out there and say, hey, here's here's how we're defining, you know, it goes back to self-determination, right? Defining ourselves and, you know, what we look at aesthetically pleasing and uplifting and all of that. So I want to get back to that, too, when we get to, uh, you know, uh, part of this. This the title of the show is about like the traditions, black traditions we embrace and and we're thankful for. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to talk about that just came up this week that was a little nuts. And so I don't know if y'all saw the one video where this the black teacher was smacked on the hand. Um, but then it was like you know a lot of times we're talking about this institutional racism, right? Like which is true. Like that does that deserves a whole lot of our energy. But we can't lose, you know, sometimes I hear people like, oh, it's not about the individual racism. I'm like, uh, it's about that, too. You know, individuals, you know, even though they're protected by the system, individuals uh, of white supremacy, you know, protects individuals doing crazy stuff. But but the young girl calls her mom and say this black teacher, like automatically, you know, that was something that was honed and supported and taught in that girl's house. You know what I mean? So uh, well, you know, let's check this video I, real quick. Go ahead, Cole. In the video. So, yeah, I mean, Josh was asking if he wanted to see the video. I think we should show the video to even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because people should be as mad as we are watching. <laughs> seen that part you know i hadn't seen that part but she threw the phone i've only only seen the initial part the permissibility to be that like you know i mean because that's not even disrespect disrespect is like you know when i was coming up disrespect was like rolling your eyes and sucking your teeth you know what i mean so like i don't i don't even know what that is on a continuum but you know what though, Reef? You know what, Reef? That, that's say? such ridiculous, huh? But can I say something before we start? Because I started no, my please career. do jump in. I was a social worker working with neurodivergent students, and like this kid, this student might be neurodivergent. That's like um on the autistic spectrum or Asperger's. Maybe. 
we're not. I don't know. So for the purpose of this conversation, we should probably we let's assume that she's not. Let's. I mean, even I think I think Josh just put in a note that her mom did say she was on the spectrum, which when I saw it, I kind of was like, I, that's I've been in that type of situation before. So but let's just say that this person wasn't because that type of disrespect does still happen uh, to our to, to our teachers and, and to our educators. So I just for the people out there that might be watching every word we say, we're having this conversation um, as if this young this 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 young girl is a uh, neurotypical or whatnot. But um, I just wanted to put that out there because. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want people to take our words and try to turn it into something else because they'll do that to us. No, and I mean, and either way, like, community, it's, so. exactly, exactly. And I, and I think the part of the, the part of the larger conversation that I wanted to have uh, with that was, let's say, even if she, if she was or she wasn't right. like a school, you know, and how they support students. Right. And how they support staff, like all of that mm-hmm. is still a part of it. Right. You know, at, at the school I worked at, we always had students who were, you know, um, students who may have had certain challenges, you know, yet they were still, you know, I, I didn't see anything like that. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. I didn't see anything like that. And so there's, yeah. there's something else also happening, you know, um, because you can I wonder also, what the climate of the school is like. The, uh, say yeah, again? I just wonder what the climate and culture of the school is like, right? I, I think there's like, to Cole's point, I, I think there's some context, like there are other pieces for me that are important. I do think that um, having been in leading a, a school uh, uh, inside of a juvenile detention facility, and then we had another campus that was um, uh, an alternative high school and one that was an adult education school, this type of thing <coughs> where uh, there was this direct, and I'll use the word assault, but I don't mean that I know what you mean. Literally, necessarily. But this type of behavior towards teachers oftentimes led to an increased uh, need to reimagine the ways in which we support teachers who are working with neurodiverse students. Right. And I, and I think that was always my big struggle. Um, and I, but I think in this case, if you take that out, right, and just go with a student who is not, right, to Cole's point, um, I think that uh, the ways in which Black teachers are treated in schools that aren't predominantly Black, right, there's a whole body of research that talks about that stuff, Right. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the challenge is that many black teachers who work in these types of schools are there because they want to support black students. They want white students to see a different image of a black person. Um, and so they're there for very particular reasons. Um, and as a matter of fact, one of my current doctoral students is working at a school just like that. Mm-hmm. And she said her first maybe week in the school is in Florida. I won't say uh, where the name of the school, but she walked in um, to get a student or was peeking in a classroom or something. And one of the students basically alluded to the fact, oh, oh, she was walking a student in. That's what it was. And one of the students said, oh, well, uh, your nanny looks kind of young and she's like a master degree school counselor. Mm. Right. And so I just think that there are these both outward things and microaggressions that so many black teachers have an experience in schools that uh, 
aren't necessarily largely students of color. But I will say it is not uncommon for something okay, like this to actually happen in a school that is all black, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, right? so I want to be clear. Gonna, yeah. And, and the title of this uh yeah. The title of this part, this section of the show is really the permissibility to be disrespectful. That's and right. for me, that's anything. We saw in the show maybe a couple, a year or so ago, where uh, a, I think it was a guest teacher, substitute teacher, and her hair was pulled, right? Like that was, yeah. I don't know the context of the school, but I know that was a black student that did that, right? right. And just so this whole idea of like what the, you know, what, and it's not just in schools, right? It's also, you know, uh, a larger conversation mm-hmm. as far as like how we've how we're approaching child rearing and community in our communities overall you know like don't say nothing to my kid or don't like there's you know we are, we almost actually teach you know in some ways our youth to hold contempt whether we do it verbally or or non-verbally like yeah. we're sending messages not just us but mm-hmm. society at, as a whole like mm-hmm. there's certain groups of folks that just don't deserve, um, you know, respect, whether it's the educator or an elder. And to me, that's, you know, that pulls away from the, the you know, the found, you know, the foundations of what we've typically used to protect mm-hmm. our communities. Yeah, man, I've worked in schools like that. Like I said, when I the part of the way that I kind of got to rise up as a social worker is I could take on cases, especially when it was males that were, you know, that were on the spectrum and, and may have exhibited behaviors because we couldn't put uh, our women in, in those situations. And there is a shortage of black social workers. So I actually got to move up pretty fast as a social worker. But even in that case, just watching it, it looked like it was somebody who was neurodivergent that was being mainstream uh, for the people that's watching. That is when uh, somebody might be in special type classes, classes that are made for, for uh, neurodivergent people. But every few days or for a few hours, they get put into a, traditional class and it's called mainstreaming because in 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 the classes that's supposed to be all um you know kids with with special needs there's supposed to be a lot less young people and more people more adults in the classroom so that's why you can just do a count uh that they would have been out of compliance unless that young person was being mainstream but you know aside from just being a little white girl and and regardless of where she is on the spectrum when she said she's black and she's pissing me off. Like that represents learned behavior. That represents, listen, Mm -hmm. man, if you don't want, (laughs) I don't care how old you are, right? Kids will expose you. You know what I mean? Listen, I I, I was, uh, my mom likes to tell this story. Like I was asked to draw something that I saw around the house and I drew a roach and uh, it was, uh, (laughs) I just grew up with roaches and I saw a roach. Uh, So I drew it and my mom was just super embarrassed. So sorry, mom, but Kid, if you talking reckless about black people around your kid and you are building an air that they are superior, then it might come out in a situation where a black person is being an authority figure over a white person. And I also went to schools, though, uh, black schools. I went in, right over at Emory High. Um, we had a few teachers that were good people, but some of them just didn't have any type of classroom management. I mean, I remember it being so bad, bro. Like one of the classes was so bad, like one of the science classes. And I love this teacher as a person, but I hated his class because it was almost, if you smart in that class, if you raise your hand, you just make yourself a target. Like mm-hmm. they used to throw stuff at him. They used to flick him. It was black kids to a black male teacher. You know what I'm saying? And he just took it. Like I don't, he just, there. and when he, once he took it, it was just like, oh, ain't nobody safe, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I think that, there has to be more of a community aspect um, that has to happen back in our schools. And, 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 you know, I get to go 
to Paducah for New Year. That's where I used to live with my grandmother, who I called my mom. And Miss Hawkins went to our church, yo. And she would tell my grandmama what was up with me, yo. And like, and I remember I got out of line with her one day. And my grandmama gave that woman, uh, <laughs> this was a different time and it was Kentucky, but she gave that woman permission to slap the hell out of me if I was uh, d- disrespectful. And not that corporal punishment needs to come back. I don't think my grandmama was looking at it as a as a bureaucratic, like systemic, you know, school beating your child thing. I think she looked at this black woman as somebody that I need to respect. And I'm a representation of my grandmother. And she and my grandmother is telling her directly, even though Miss Hawkins never did that. But she is basically saying, here's an expectation of how I raised this boy. And if he get out of line with you and I ain't there, then I need you to tighten him up. Not because he is hurting you, but because I need him to grow up and not get killed out here by one of these people in authority. So, I mean, it's a complicated thing. And I know people say the right thing versus the real thing. But I think that what my grandmother was exhibiting, even though she didn't have the language, was there has to be a community of trust. There has to be a community of I know that this grandmom is doing the best she can. I know this teacher's doing the best they can. Now, boy, you better go and do the best you can, or I'm a tight, you're going to get tightened up. Um, and, 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 and we don't need to go back to that in that way, but the spirit of that, I'm not saying it's okay to hit kids and nothing like that. I am talking about a spirit of community though, where she made that teacher feel more responsible for me and me more responsible for how I was acting when I wasn't around her. And how do we get back to that? Yeah. I mean, that whole idea of community and trust and culture. Um, and again, not just in schools. Right. Like I, I remember last year uh, before the pandemic, I was in a store and the, the store owner, one of the clerks was, you know, complaining, basically telling the kid was like breaking, you know, was knocking stuff down. And it wasn't like a two year old. You know what I mean? Because I got a thing like, you know, like two year old, that's that's regular normal behavior the child is healthy right they're exploring it's a little bit older kid you know being a little rambunctious and the clerk said something and the mom of the child went off mm. don't say nothing to my kid you know he's like really he's breaking stuff you know what i mean she's just and she's just cussing which i'm just like uh oh, this kid is you know learning that on top of it you know what i mean i just tried to you know de-escalate it you know but i was just like like, yo, this is, that was just one small example, man, like that, you know, and I think some of it is, and I could picture how just, how frustrated the the mom was in that moment, but how there was probably just frustration on a whole lot of levels and her cup was already full, right? And then she just feels like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to lash out at you because whatever I'm frustrated about, right? Like, and so just how systems just beat down people, and part of it is so you can't like build community like it makes it harder. Right. And tougher. And the distrust is there. The despair is there. The hopelessness, the fatigue, just absolute battle weary fatigue. Right. And, you know, we all know how at least I am when I'm tired. I'm a little bit shorter than than other times. I, I'm pretty much I'm pretty even killed most of the time. If I'm tired. If I snap or something, it's probably is exhausted. But then how's that? How what does how does that show up? when it's compounded, you know? Um, and then that, that goes also for culture within the school. If we jump back into a school, we got staff who are like exhausted. You know, there was an article today in, in Philly Inquirer, man. They, this one high school, and I, I got a friend that works there. And he said like, I haven't had a prep, and I talked to him about a month ago. He had not had a prep period all year. And he really didn't have a lunch period because there's so much, they're so short staff mm-hmm. overall, everybody um, that, 
Is he a they, brother in a black school? Yeah, he's a black man in a predominantly, you know, it's in a, a, a poor community. Are, so are they black putting and brown? All the, are they putting uh, all the problem kids, uh, sending all the problem kids to the black man in the in the school? Well, I, I think he's he's like like you know what? One, the, there's no subs, right? And so he's covering classes. That's why he's not getting prepped. But then lunch, there's so many students who are afraid to go to the lunchroom. Mm. And so, you know, they just like, I'd rather stay in your class or any anybody that they have a relationship with. So those folks who are have those relationships and it's almost like, hey, you know what? There, Here's the uh, the reward for doing good work is more work. But in those kind of circumstances, it ain't a reward. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost a consequence. You got to protect your people, man. You got you know how they got Derrick Rose on time restriction. You got to put your best people on time restriction, man. Like if you're coming off an injury. You can't just go out there and play the full game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think we got to start treating our value teachers that if, if you are that good, we got to put you on, on the minutes restriction. You know what I'm saying? To, yeah. to even protect them from them. Um, like if you let them, Aaron Rodgers to play all day or whatever. But if he, you know, if he nursing an injury, we don't want him to, to, to injure it more. And I think what you saying, Sharif and, and Robert, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But I think that, you know, you got to protect these. Yes, you got to. As a system, you got to protect these folks yeah. and figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot I've seen. I was talking to a friend of mine that I grew up with who's a principal in Detroit, and um, she's really struggling because aside from all of this, <coughs> they're also releasing and, and pushing principals to give standardized tests at this moment and like gearing up for that this year. And she's just like, teachers are resisting and just like they're struggling and they're tired. Um, she says she hasn't had a sub in, available in her building in two months. Mm. And so she's had some kids come where she's had to go into the classroom, other administrators, like other configurations. And it just makes you wonder uh, the larger question of, are we actually doing education wrong? Right? Like when you think about corporate America, they've come out and said, um, you know, there's a hybrid work environment. It's foolish for a CEO to send people back from a nine to five, five days a week. The question that I always ask is like, well, why do we feel like we need to have eight to four or five days a week school anymore? Like, why can't we reimagine education? Yeah. And I just think that that's been a failure of the of, of what's happened as of, out of the pandemic is that we haven't really reimagined education. It's like we're trying to do the same thing that we were doing before. And I think teachers are tired. Um, and I, I don't know what the fix is uh, for that. But You know what, though, can I and I know you want to take us to the next uh, point, uh, Reese, so I'll make this brief. But I think reimagining education is one. But I want to say also just reimagining community like if, mm-hmm. and I think that because be that way, that. because that way that puts the. That, that doesn't just put the onus on a system that people feel is ex- inaccessible to them. If I'm yeah. sending my kids somewhere five out of seven days out of a week, I need to make sure that I have community with those people. If I have a child, let's say I have a son and I send him to Sharif, I trust Sharif's judgment while my child is with Sharif because I know who Sharif is over Robert. So if if I, let's say I did have, let's say if I had a 15 year old and Robert saw my kids outside doing the most, like because I have community with Robert and I know who That's he real. is, I want him to snatch my kid up and like, you know what I'm saying? Like I get, and so 
if you sending your kid to I a I would just have a conversation with my kid. Don't, don't <laughs> well, up. I thought, when I just snatch up, listen, is something that your generation would say. I'm not saying like, I'm just saying, you know, you can assert authority with my young person. But the point that I'm making is if you are sending your kids somewhere five times out of a week, I mean, and, and you ain't got community with the people where you sending your kid to. See how when we flip that conversation, there's a responsibility on every side of this. That's right. Your most precious asset. That's all I'm That's saying. Right. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that too. I think I think too many times, like people are talking about reimagining school and education without thinking about okay, what does it look like? Um, what does the ecosystem look like? You know, even going into the pandemic, man, right. we had instead of educators. Thinking about okay, let me let's get a download for them to like. How are they going to transform it? Rethink education in that moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. and of course it hit them like it hit everybody last minute. Like, oh, we're going to shut things down. You got to go to virtual and all that kind of stuff. But then right. folks had all summer, and that fall it didn't look that much different, right? Maybe it was a little bit more organized, but as far as like the the learning, and we see like two million children had just kind of opted out of that whole circumstance and there wasn't a whole lot going on you know outside with that support but then also i knew i knew so many folks situations where the educators they couldn't rely on the city or other folks you know institutions within the city to help Mm -hmm. so the school was expected to figure out how to teach online figure out how to get the kids fed figure out how to get them online, figure out how to get the computers delivered and all like that's that's too much for like a school to try to figure out like that should be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this as a whatever, you know, the council, state reps, mayor, like there's institutions that say, yeah, we love our city and all of that. That should have been their job. Anybody with a dot org and that's getting that tax break, you know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Like when we hold these schools accountable, what is the what is the boys and girls club that's down the street doing? What is this other place that's getting this tax break doing that said that they serve the community? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and if you can't find one person in that school building that you feel a sense of community with, you might not have it with everybody. But that's if you right. can't find one, then I think there needs to be a different conversation that we have. That's real tough about where your kid is at. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no doubt, man. But that was just like, just think about that, like hundreds and thousands of, I know. of opportunities and people are just like, hey, when you bringing me food and computer? And I was just like, yo, like these folks should just be thinking about, hey, how do I deliver the most engaging? Le- how do I learn how to do it? How do I navigate? That's and right. then um, and then try to transform. Yo, another thing I wanted to just, you know, talk about was, you know, like this, we saw and I saw people like, I think language is important. And so we're talking about this Georgia lynch mob and the conviction um, mm. that they had. A lot of people were talking about like justice, but we know like real justice meant that Brother Ahmad would still be alive, right? Mm-hmm. He'd be with his family, right? That's justice. This was a consequence, um, you know, but it's not, at the same time that was happening, we saw that Rotten House had gotten off for murder, you know, despite his mom driving him to go m- murder some folks. We saw a brother... Uh, I want to say Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, released after 43 years and just exonerated. Like he was spent 43 years of his life in jail um, for a crime he did not commit. Crazy, man. Um, and then they, then he's in a state that they don't give, uh, you know, they don't compensate you for false imprisonment. Mm. So the community rally, right? And I think they raised a million dollars, but I don't even know like what's the right 
the number for 43 years. Like I can't even like, you know, there is no number, right? Like for 43 years of your life in a box for something that you didn't do. Um, and then I, I think today I saw some flash off like an, another brother somewhere else got just released for 16 years for a crime he hadn't done. Right. And so like the system, you know, this is one example of, OK, the Georgia Lynch mob. And again, mm-hmm. without that video. And I can't even say if you have a video. Rodney King was on the video. Uh, Tamir Rice was on video. You know, uh, on video. Michael Brown was on video. Say again. Oscar Grant. Was on video. Grant was on video. There's a whole lot of folks. So even saying like, oh, if it wasn't for that video, like videos don't bring about consequences. Like folks can look at at videos and be like, yeah, he's still black, so we don't care. He deserves it. You know what I mean? This is Um, tough because you know we having conversations about humanity right now, and like it's all trying to at least anyway, right? (laughs) It's always a weird mind meld for us when we have to talk and make thoughtful statements about our own humanity. And I think it takes a toll, a mental toll. I think, listen, man, I think like even, listen, you know, Sharif and him gave me some hard advice the other day and it was good, but I wasn't even aware of like the mental toll. Like, like that's why I'd be so concerned about black people kind of getting along or, or who I don't like or who I do like. Like it takes this weird Told because you need people, but we sometimes as a people, we like pit bulls when we see each other. It's like, and I'm guilty of it, right? Like, I gotta show my teeth, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's a weird mind, but shit, even before the grill, you know what I'm saying? But it's but it's a weird thing around how we kind of get pitted against each other. And I think, and sometimes I step into it the wrong way. Yeah. I'm just like, yo, we are fighting each other about like there's a bigger thing here and 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 it's just it's tough but this is mental this is a form of mental psychosis us even having to celebrate and talk about like things of just the bare minimum of what humanity means and what's supposed to be the most democratic place the richest place and 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 this vision which is why last episode was kind of difficult for me because i was trying to justify and talk about all these things in lieu of the the the, the topic so I, I, this break is just needed man like that was hard to watch it's hard watching that family have to breathe such a sigh of relief on something that should have been so open and shut and just yeah. the, the the things inside those people that felt that that was just okay to do and they felt justified to have a people behind them that yeah. felt that they were justified it's 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 real like that's damn near mental like Warfare, man. Yeah, that's. I don't even watch it. Stress on DNA. Go ahead. I don't even watch it anymore because, um, and I did not watch either of the. Be real with you. I watched it, but I I didn't watch this other piece. I just, um, I just am exhausted from seeing it. Like somebody actually spent forty-three years. It's crazy. In prison for something they didn't do. Crazy. Then there was somebody with 16 years. Then there was the the brother. I think it was in Arkansas or wherever, where they overturned the execution or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there are issues there. And I just think about former students of mine who are in prison um, where I'm just kind of like. It's, it's, it's just it's just it's just difficult for me. Like, I just can't even watch it. And people are like, well, aren't you excited that you know, they, those three guys got convicted in Georgia. And I'm like, I mean, he's still dead. Like, and, and there are more of those people out there like so that. Many more. So many. And like, 
there are so many stories that we don't hear about like that. It's crazy, man. And <laughs> yes, they got convicted. But the brother was jogging in, in his own neighborhood. It's crazy. And, and, you know, and I think for me, it takes me to the moments twice where the police had pulled me over here in Fairfax County, Virginia, and I had my 10 year old with me. He wasn't 10 at the time. And just the sheer terror that he had in his eyes and he was sobbing and daddy, are they going to kill you? Uh. And I'm sitting here like, yo, I mean, I didn't get a ticket. None of these things. Right. And I'm just sitting here like, the trauma that he's experienced vicariously. Yeah, and it's like, it's real. how do you communicate that to your kids so that they are okay? It's crazy, right? Like, and I, I've run out of ways to do it, um, and I just decided the whole thing in Wisconsin, Georgia. I just refuse to watch it. I saw the notica- notification pop up on my iPad. And that was it. But I just wasn't going to engage with talking about it at length because it was just so painful um, because the reality of it is, is that when I think about being in the D.C. metro area, many people because of gentrification in the city proper are being forced to move out of the city and they're moving into these suburbs. Now that they're in these suburbs, in many ways, many of these folks are in communities similar to the one where uh, Brother Aubrey was killed mm-hmm. be- because they can't afford to live in D.C., right? And so I think that, um, you know, I just think about it whenever I'm outside with the kids and things like that. So it's, 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 it's giving me pause, but I think it's done a lot of, uh, I don't know, like I've struggled mentally and emotionally with it all. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it, just so we talk about that, right? Like the okay, they were convicted and Welcome, Raymond. Hey Ray, RQ Ray? in the house. Um, you know, and what that uh you know what that means. But the fact that this was the another example of the good old boys, and we shouldn't say good old boys like it's just the Dukes of Hazard, Deep right. South, right? Good old boys extends all over this this country, right? And they weren't even going to prosecute. They're like, yeah, I know him. And that was justifiable homicide. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like they Mm -hmm. uh, like that is unity. They had they had communal rapport, Sharif, like we were talking about in the last Mm -hmm. segment. They they, to where those cops was like, oh, I know John. I I know them. He 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 had a reason. Right. He he, he was justified. I know him. He's 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 a good old boy. That's crazy, man. Well, listen, Ray, you're right in time, man. We want to, you know, really, you know, I mean, these first two got me like really, uh, you know, frustrated as as usual, you know, angry black man in America, which I think none of us is going to escape anytime soon. You know, maybe your next trip on this uh, on this rock, maybe it'll be a different circumstance. Uh, but in the meantime, one of the things we did want to just talk about was uh, just this idea of black traditions that we're thankful for, because with all of this stress, all of this trauma, the DNA and our whole existence and we pass on this this uh, morbid fear, anger, anxiety, whatever all of that is and how it stresses everybody out, just the racial stress period. And our children are not immune to it. 
um, whether they're home, whether they're in the community, whether they're in school, wherever that is. But there's some things that still have kept us together, you know, and I think some of it is just a, this idea of black traditions. And so I really wanted to spend the next few minutes just tapping in and sharing, like, what are some of the black traditions that you're just thankful for, you know, that that pull you through, that inform you, that embolden you, that continue to give you like, nah, like we're going we're gonna to fight this out. You know what I mean? We ain't going to, we might not march on, but we're definitely going to fight on. Right. And so like, what are those, uh, you know, what are those traditions, those black traditions that you, uh, that you draw from, you know, I know for Ray, some of it is more good moisturizer, right? Like that's a that's a tradition that he he taps <laughs> into. Yeah, man, that's a great tradition. I, I mean, it's just it's, uh... yo, yo, bro. The the level of hate and in, in, in I missed you, man. I missed that, you that I that I get from you on a not not just on a weekly basis. This doesn't just happen on Sundays. Like this is like Monday through Sunday kind of thing, right? So like, listen, offline, I it. text him every once in a while. I just text him some hate. Every just to once keep in a while, bro, like the whole day today, you was lighting me up today, bro. Like, because I didn't agree with you. <laughs> yo, yo, and, here, and here's the thing, right? Like, it's like, I don't have to agree with you, bro. Like, I don't have to agree with you. Like, I didn't know that great. was part of the deal. I thought you had to. Without you know me mean? agreeing with you. Like, you could be great. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I, I, I see a comment from Elements of Education, KC. When are we going to switch to a solution-based conversation ma'am or sir this is our <laughs> show we talk about what we want to talk about we told people to build community we told people to check and build around who they need and we just we just man we always talk about solutions <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Yo, like, yo, elements of education. I, I do think that's important for 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 us to keep being reminded to to add that. But I also want to say, like, we we want to continue to make sure that's part of the. Uh, so why are you going to come in and just start blasting our guests? We want them to give us feedback and stuff. So gave feedback. over us. Thank bro, you, Ray. I'm all about fan man. I'm all about fan management to a point, bro. Like some of these people be getting out of the yeah, gate, they, and we got real. They, they, they might not even be a fan. It might just be a guest. <laughs> hey, well, whoever it is, oh, we, hey, we will have solutions. We always got solutions. We always say part of our solutions is black traditions. We feel like black traditions actually bolster us in different ways. And so, so just like, what did they hear from these four black men? Like, yeah. what are some of the yeah, traditions so one, that one, y'all tap one into? Black one black tradition for me that kind of just gives me really good energy is Juneteenth. Partially because a lot of people don't even really know what the hell it was. Uh, up until this day, they probably still don't know what it is. Right? <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, um, that gives me really good energy uh, to be able to celebrate um, our people uh, unapologetically. Any, As a matter of fact, any opportunity that I get to celebrate our people unapologetically um I do it. I try to do it. I, I yeah. Any opportunities to celebrate our people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And and assistant Casey, with much love, much love. He he don't want no Casey smoke. All he <laughs> want is Casey barbecue. He don't want no Casey smoke. I, which I didn't get. Which I which I did not get because of you. I don't know why they offered it because of you. <laughs> oh man! But look, here go one of my traditions. One is banana pudding. Banana pudding makes me very very happy. I, I I'm gonna I love banana pudding. It reminds me of my grandmama, and it's just delicious. I, but I think um I, I think the tradition. I think anytime black people come together, whereas whether it's black 
is black men and black women come together with, with a vision in mind, black men or just black women. I think any of those groups with a vision, I think 95% of the time something positive comes out. I think mm. that so spaces like this where black men are just talking and like just processing stuff in real time, I think is really powerful. And I think sharing those stories, I, I mean, just yeah. just to build, you know, just I mean, let's I mean, just to be vulnerable, like I've been I remember being pulled over and like my car dumped out by two cops. And they like it was a black one and a white one. And they like put a gun to my neck and like told me I robbed a 7-Eleven. And, and like that was one thing. And then the other piece around having to be even aware around my own people as a black man around like, yo, like being in a situation where guns have come up. And I, you know, my brother's been shot. Sharif has been shot. Like it's coming from all these different directions. So the more that I can kind of build a, co- a community around me where I can be in places where I feel welcome, where I can be in places where I can be vulnerable and build with the tradition of, I, and I'm going to just say this, the tradition of black men being together and being able to talk, what you get is what Ray showed love to a few weeks ago was them dads that was like, we done had enough. We going to go back into our schools and make sure this don't happen. Like when these brothers in Chicago, the Chicago defenders, these men and these women came together and said, we going to build safe passes for these kids to go to school. That's right. Like, we have to start making a claim for our people and we have to start building silos for us where we feel safe uh, from each from from the outside world and kind of get that self-hate we got for each other out the way. So mm. I think that tradition is a really strong one. Hopefully that was a solution oriented uh, point, man. I got two traditions. Uh, one is the role of the uh, black barbershop uh, and the bonding time it gives for me and our 10 year old when we go to the barbershop uh, and it's an all black barbershop. And um, just the things that he talks about after the barbershop, and we do have our code of what's said in the barbershop stays in the barbershop. You don't repeat (laughs) nothing in the barbershop. And we've had some real interesting conversations. Like we talked about the, uh, the. Where is your your barbershop in Vegas? Huh? Is your barbershop in Vegas? No, in DC. Uh Oh, in Vegas. He's brother, trying, keep, he's keep going, to, brother. He's, don't let him pull you off, bro. He, you know, <laughs> he me off, me he, off. Yeah, he's trying to throw you I off. Am, I am getting to a... I am trying to show together. You're supposed to be ready for that, brother. You're supposed to be ready for it. You're supposed to show together that you ain't pumped I already, I already know. Uh, uh, via text or whatever, it's always something. Uh, and, and I saw the barbershop. And then the other thing, and I'm going to say this and, and really share like where I come from, right, is I, I find great community in the time that I spend at the crap table with a bunch of black folks, right? At a casino, like, because it don't matter what your job is. It don't matter like what you do, like where are you from? It's the laughs, the drinks. And like, I've stood next to so many different cats and had random conversations about just whatever's going on. So to raise point around Vegas, like there is a Vegas tie-in here, uh, but here in the DMV at the casino here, I, I have actually found great community and the tradition of, and at one point, a couple times, we've had conversations about how did you learn craps? How did you learn to play? And it always loops back to, you know, I learned in the back of the barbershop or, you know, uh, there was somebody who learned on the stoop, a couple cats from New York learned on the stoop playing dice. All these, some, some kids learn playing in the bathroom at a school, which is a whole other conversation uh, uh, and a whole other show. Uh. But for me, 
I just find that the barbershop and the crap table um, are, yeah, see what I'm saying? See? That's a vow. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Um, Yo, and so for me, the barbershop and the, uh, and look, class, I'm learning probability principle. Like, why Why can't I just, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Then pass that <laughs> testing, all right? You, you know probability so well. I see you still making up the same mistakes on that little look, man, they, test. They don't have a crap table on your standardized <laughs> test. So, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not culturally relevant to me. Uh, but anyway, so for me, the tradition of, of, of the barbershop and the tradition of building community at the crap table is something that always uh, resonates uh, with me. Um, and, and again, I've had some of the most interesting conversations at the crap table uh, with, with, with cats that some of them are sober, some of them are not, uh, to, to be clear. Uh, but they are brothers who uh, all the same are living in this world um, uh, as black men, just trying to trying to, to figure out uh, life and all the things that we struggling with. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, hilarious. that is hilarious. Um, mine's are very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think part of my uh, the tradition that I draw from frequently is one just around the, uh, you know, the spirituality of black people. Even if they're from different uh, different faiths, there's a a core of just spirituality that that seems to you know um, thread through so many different lives. I know people from so many different backgrounds and, and culture and religion, and yet you know within the black community, there's still this idea of you know what does spirituality um, look like and how does it you know transcend some of the, you know, uh, very specific, um, you know, religious perspectives that they're still able to build together. I think that's one that's always, you know, particularly, you know, uh, there's a significant number of Muslims in my family and in Philly, but I would say the majority of of our uh, communities are Christian. And yet you still see, you know, folks building and, and building a brotherhood and those kind of things. And I just, you know, I, I just always... Um, can appreciate that, um, and then I think why y'all got five hundred murders? Why y'all got five? If y'all build, actually, building I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to actually talk about that. You know, because I think right. there's another part of it is, um, you know, community. And you mm. know, when I when I went to to school, most you know, the significant number of folks were from the western side of Pennsylvania, but we're able to build community, right? Like across, hey, Pittsburgh or Erie or whatever. Um, Harrisburg, like all these folks were in, we were in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, Pennsylvania, amongst a sea of, you know, probably 15,000 white people, but the black folks were able, most of them, some were just like, I'm not familiar with y'all. I ain't banging with y'all, but a lot of folks were able to, you know, build community, uh, you know, right there within. Uh, And then other spaces where there's just community being built, particularly intergenerational. And I think to your point, uh, Ray, I think sometimes we spoke a little bit about this earlier, like some of the our propensity to build community is being frayed from a lot of different ways. And I think that's what can lead to, you know, Philly is flirting with, if you know, 500 murders in a single year. And it's not even the end of this uh, calendar year. Now, for context, I think New York is 400 something. So for Philly to be that's like not a, context, bro. No, I'm just saying for the fraction of this, well, I I think it is. I think for the the size of New York and to have 400 something in Philly, I mean, Philly is tiny compared to New York. 
mm-hmm. um, and to have 500 uh, murders. So I think it is some type of context. Depending on how you look at it, how you define it. It's solution oriented. Um, solution oriented. <laughs> you know, there's uh, you know, there's there's something to really look into. But I think Cole brought up something earlier. It's not just the school, right? It's a whole lot of other things. Because I've heard people say, all these murders, what are they doing in schools? I'm like, what are they doing in schools? What are they doing everywhere? <laughs> you know, what are they doing everywhere <laughs> for us to have that many um and then when you read it, like there was an article that I was reading, I didn't read all the hyperlinks, but there's some of the things that you would think about, right? Like so much of it was over some kind of argument. And then you have social media. So much of it, more of it is over social media. Like literally, they said uh, over 100 something, almost 200 of these murders started over arguments. And a significant number of them is, uh, you know, social media beef. Right. And so, again, when you're talking about like community building, the intergenerational piece, the trust building, all of that. And then the racial stress that has people on edge all the time. You're going to be on if you're on the edge, you're going to be on the edge with the people around you, the people closest to you, the people that look like you. And so for me, the the, the very things that are that I, I think I, I draw from in our tradition are the very things we have to actually triple down on, you know, building community, intergenerational community, this idea of spirituality and this this unification about about uh, something, you know, um, you know, we lost one of our elders uh, this week, uh, Brother Sultan Ahmed, who was in the Black Panther Party. But he, and he just continued his work in the community for, you know, for forever. And so his like Janazah is, t- is tomorrow. And, and I'm just like, you know what, like we need more and more and more of folks like that and the people that he impacted to continue to build on and that we can draw from his legacy, his work and just all the people like him. Um, so. Yeah, those are those are the just some of the traditions that I you know that I uh, think about when we're when I'm tapping in. The reggae, I didn't want to I didn't want to jump in before Ray gave his. Yeah, yeah, yo, Ray, Ray gave his, his bag said, on that one. I said Juneteenth. That's it. Oh, Juneteenth. I I was just gonna say I think I think but you mentioned this thing. I think um we can't throw away our elders and we gotta take care of our young people. I think that. Mm-hmm. those sandwiches and those end- end- endings and I think there's so much to learn I mean y'all have heard me talk about my cousin that passed away but that dude taught me so much stuff that wasn't in a book like around fixing my house like that I just didn't know or the lady next door to me like she just plants her own food and it's like yo I'm gonna like just cook for you and like I'm gonna just sh- you need to know how to do this thing and we had that big storm like I stayed with her Making you know care of each other yeah. yeah and it's but again it comes back to this thing around community man and I, I think that like you know, we if listen, man, I don't care what Sharif and I or Ray and I are going through. If it's got something to do with their kids. Right. Like like they should know, regardless, we can have the biggest fight that we've ever had. But if like Ray's son needs something and I can do it like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if we have that shared accountability, responsibility for each other and for the the things tied to each other, even when we're upset. But here go the thing that's tough, fellas. And we got to talk about this at some point when you are raised to survive in a fucking jungle. Like when you are like, when you grow up in a Detroit, a New York, a Louisiana, a Chicago, a Philly, a Oakland, like there are rules. There are things that you had to learn that are not the most, let's just say toxic is the word of the day. Right. And then things change. And then your elders throw you away. Some of your own people throw you away. It's like, uh, you know, other people don't want, like it is very difficult with all these different messages we give our people. There's some repair work that needs to happen. Like there is some repair yeah. work and, and, and we finished in the book club on Kwame Ture, but we were talking about this, man. And it's just like, 
there, there is just a gap. <laughs> there is a huge gap. And we were talking about voluntary immigrants versus involuntary immigrants. And I'll be quick. There are immigrants that come to this country when they come, even if they doing it for their kids, there's a there, they, there's a, a goal that they have. That's why Asian kids, they be like, they don't care about the curriculum. Get the fucking A. Like you get the A. We came to this country. You get the A and you're going to do X, Y and Z. I don't care what you want to do. And you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer, a surgeon or whatever. But for black people that are here, there, that was involuntary. There was we never had that conversation. We've never had that point of like, OK, how are we going to take advantage of the things in this country? And what does that look like? Instead, we've been surviving, surviving, surviving. So now even when we kind of get out of that so so-called like jungle it's, it's it's a whole different mindset that you got to have that you that a lot of us not even ready for. And if we don't address that with our own people, we're going to keep having beef with each other. We're going to keep dismissing our elders that we can learn a lot from. And we're going to keep dismissing our young people that don't think the same way we do. And if that's the case, if you a white supremacist, baby, you hit the trifecta. You ain't mm-hmm. got to do nothing. You ain't even got to do nothing. So I just don't know what the place is for that conversation, but it was yeah. on my mind because I was reading Stokely Carmichael. Yo, the, 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 the place, the place is here, bro. Uh, this is, this mm-hmm. is, I mean, I mean, we're running out of time, but this is an excellent uh, forum for us to have that conversation. I'm, I'm very I, okay with going over tonight. I was, but. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, re- I was reading, I was reading, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, dis- I'm dissertating. So like I was reading uh, with regards to um, immigrants that weren't forced to come here. Mm-hmm. And they are laser focused when it comes uh, down to like a goal, right? So like if a family uh, that, that, that migrates here sets a goal, like, hey, you know, we want to have a certain amount of folks that um, cash in on the American dream, go to college, do this, do that or whatever, right? And then that becomes like generational, right? So like that's the conversation and the expectation for um, the first person that got here to the second generation to the third generation and like down 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 forward I think we miss a beat it's like we'll have some folks that'll that'll be like yo I know going to college is gonna is gonna get me here or I know trade school or I know these other things that education putting education at the forefront is going to allow me to have opportunities to live the life that I want to live but it's like we miss people. You know, it's, it's kind of, I make this argument of, you know, a, a student that is in the back of the classroom that's super quiet, doesn't cause any trouble or whatever, right? And like the student continuously gets pushed through the system because they're not a troublemaker, not causing any disruption and, you know, allowing the teacher to do whatever they do. I feel like it's the same thing when it comes down to like family members, right? It's like your family members aren't being pushed because, you know, they're not, in in harm's way they're not out you know breaking the law or doing all these other things but we're not having conversations with them about what it means to just not break the law what it means to be a good citizen what it means to like get your life to the point to where you are getting a job with a pension and just having like these financially induced conversations to where folks know that listen we're living paycheck to paycheck that shit ain't cool. I did it for a while, right? And so now that I don't have to do it, now that you know I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck, I want to teach people what it means to not have to live that way, right? And so having these types of conversations is uh, is is definitely uh, something that we need to do more of. So mm-hmm. thanks for bringing that up, Charles. Yeah, I agree. You know, I would just lift up and uh, Simmons. I'd love to uh, hear from you too. Just. That it's not just, yeah, I hear you about the immigrants, I, I think, you know, but we also should recognize that 
Amadou Diallo was also an immigrant, right? Mm-hmm. And so like all immigration stories aren't necessarily the same. There are some immigration stories. There's a oh, absolutely. Attract, attract to whiteness and, and those kind mm-hmm. of things. Um, and I think there's also sometimes a, a, a belief, a trust in the system um, that they are, you know, <clears throat> choosing to participate in. Right. Can I, so, can I clarify a little bit too? I, w- yeah, I wasn't yeah. saying like they got it better or any. I was I was I was talking about a conversation, an internal conversation that we just need to have mm-hmm. in general, a reconciliation, a healing, like a, 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 a rebuilding of our community is what I was trying. I wasn't oh, 100%, saying 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. yeah. This is, you know, this is, a, this is a comment, not a criticism of, of your um, of your well, is toxic. Listen, listen. So, sometimes, sometimes you got to be what you got to be. You know what I mean, but, but, <laughs> Simmons, but, jump in but, here, man. I mean, the thing that before you say I, something I, else crazy, yeah. But let me uh, get in here before Ray say something crazy, <laughs> throw the conversation down a rabbit hole. Um, uh, I, I do want to elevate what uh, Charles was talking about, um, and this whole idea of elders and young people. And one of the things I learned from shout out to. Uh, uh, Catherine Prokop, who's the principal, or was the principal, is now the executive director of the Howard Middle School Charter School here in D.C. And uh, I'm her dissertation chair. She's writing about black boys. And we're having this conversation about, oh, how's it going? And she, one thing she said to me that was so profound, I just started writing about it. Like, what are the ways it would work? She said to me, and she's probably, man, she's an OG in education, right? OG. She said to me, oh, yeah, one of my mentors at my church was talking to me about the power of social media. And I said, oh, okay, well, what, what, what is the conversation? She, she says to me, I think every older adult over 45 should have a young person who's their mentor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what? Let me say that again. Yeah. She, she has a young person who is her mentor. Okay, and what she has, have got and what she was saying is that, and it's obviously different, Right. But there there are things that in her experience in education, for example, that she doesn't know. And the only way she's going to know and try to figure it out is if she has a mentor who mentors her about whatever the things are that, you know, they are, are working on. And I had never thought of that. And I called one of my former students um, who started a grocery store in Detroit. And I'm talking to him about what are you learning as a result of this grocery store? He started talking to me about um, crowdfunding mm-hmm. and like using crowdfunding to build his grocery store and empower social media and all these tools. And da, 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 that's da, a new word to say I'm begging, right? Like this. Yeah. I mean, it's another no, I'm just <laughs> it's another way of uh, man, anyway. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the to the big homie he doing his thing. He got this grocery store up and running. But anyway. And, and the tools in which you beg uh, are very different than what I understood as someone who's been begging in the nonprofit sector for quite some time. And um, I, I don't know the result of what it would be like to have a young person consistently mentoring me. Right. I'm not sure. But it was profound to hear this old smarter. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say they're smarter. I think no, I said smarter. we would be smarter. Oh, like, we would just, be smarter. Yeah, we would be smarter if we yeah, include that. But right? I also think that young people also have to be willing to be mentored by OGs. Right. And at one point on All the Smoke, uh, Stephen uh, Jackson talks about how part of the problem with the NBA is that these young guys don't have OGs and vets on the team. 
to talk to them about how to be professional and that the NBA is just a business. Like that's all it is. Right. And so that's why you get foolishness like Ben Simmons and like all of these other things happening. Yo, bro, don't come at Ben saying he might have some serious mental health issues, bro. Yeah, he broke. <laughs> he said he broke. <laughs> he ain't got no bread. Like he's he, losing that money though. But he's uh, losing that bread. But anyway, so shout out to Ben Simmons and all the people in Philly. No disrespect to that John right, up there. At us. Hey, Sharif, you know? Sharif and I and, and Sharif, I'm good with going over. You might not be, but you know, I'm <laughs> but, oh, I didn't realize my bad. No, I'm, I'm fine. I, I I'm good. I don't know what Robert got to do, but uh, but to 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 shoot your Philadelphia Sixers some bail, um. Uh, Charles Barkley just did an interview with KD and um, and and he was talking about when he came into the league, how he had these mentors. And he was talking about how Moses, how he talked to Moses. He was like, man, why I'm not playing? I'm the number five pick. And he said, because you fat. He was like, you fat. He said, NBA, you know, high school shape and college shape. And don't college get Robert started. He just was tweeting out like, you know, don't be but, fat but, shaming Zion and stuff. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> don't well, get it started. Well, it's a difference between media people and people that's not in the game talking to you versus somebody who care about you and being like, look. And he said, we're going to start with 10 pounds and then we're going to go 10 more and 10 more. And then when he got to 240, he was like, I didn't have enough energy. But the point was, is that he had Moses Malone, who he respected and who he looked at to kind of be like, look, this is what you got to do, young fella. Or Dr. J was like, yo, don't we don't wear trainers outside like we don't we don't do that to games we wear suits like they but it was these people that were setting the line for them and charles barkley said exactly what you just said robert was like and i think he even mentioned ben simmons he was just saying there is nobody that has that trust and that wisdom to kind of you know and, and then kd was talking about it who his mentors were it wasn't even like big names it wasn't people that you would probably even recognize it was like you know cats that was getting like maybe 10 minutes 15 minutes but they took him under their wing and if you listen man Things are changing so fast. If you don't have somebody to talk to you where you can lose your shit with, where you can just like process some stuff. If you got to constantly be on in this new world where everybody is faking like they perfect and some people can fake it better than other people, you are going to keep having black men break down. Like Uh, something will be broken. But I'm I'll just, I'm, just that. That's, I'm one of the worst fakers ever. But I think, but I think, Ray, you bringing up a good point. Sharif has something that I just envy. Right. Sharif has had a community around him, a thriving, like positive, revolutionary community around him since he was a child. His kids have had that. There's a lot of kids that don't know who they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is hard to step out of some shit where you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know my great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother's name. I don't know who they are on either side, right? Like, that's some hard shit to reconcile when you really start thinking about it. So, as a solution-oriented comment, I think that, you know, part of this, man, is... I'm just, no, no, no. I'm serious. I just, y'all know I, I like agency, KC, right? See, we, 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 we love you. We, I this love is- Listen, yeah. she gave us good feedback. I'm taking the feedback. You, I envy uh, Sharif because he has hair. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, but Sharif, and maybe something, maybe because of your upbringing, maybe what what is the solution for people that don't fully know who they are, that's mm-hmm. trying to figure that out and see who they are in the, in the midst of a world that's really changed and really fast? And yeah. a lot of this shit don't make sense to a lot of people. So, you know, I mean, you, you grew up in a different environment. So what advice do you have if some young brothers came to you and said exactly what I said, like, I want to be better. I want to, I want to heal this sickness. I want to heal this brokenness, but I don't even know where to start, but you've had this background. What should we do, Sharif? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's part of it. It's Simmons too. I just know yeah. his upbringing. That's all. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is like what we've been talking about this entire time is like building community because it's not just on the onus of, you know, that that youth to come in and say, here's the issue, right? When Chief Seattle talks about, you know, the elder Native American, uh, you know, that elder, when he says, you know what, we don't, uh, children don't inherit the earth from us. We borrow it from them. If you borrow something, that means you're supposed to return it in a better in a better place. Mm. And I think as elders, mm. we have not returned our communities in a better space to to these youth, right? And so I think part of the lesson that we have to learn it, and all of our our everybody has a a a, a bookshelf in proximity to them, and you probably have multiple stories of you know intergenerational warfare. Mm. Right. Where the elders don't want to get out of the way. They feel like, oh, they're young upstart. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't. Right. Like, and so they're doing that. And then we have the youth who are just like, well, I know everything. Right. Like how many signs, you know, when we were coming up, they would put it on a refrigerator. Oh, let, you know, let me move out while I know everything and become the CEO. Right. Like, so this is this is not a new thing. This is intergenerational and this continues on. Right. But, you know, like and this goes into organizations, too. We see organizations that become that can't tap into what the youth genius is and the youth genius won't tap into the elders genius. Right. And so uh, there was a somebody made a statement before the best organizations have uh, young tigers and old lions. And those make the best organizations. And if they make the best organizations, then they make the best communities as well where you have the elders you have the youth but at the same time there's a common thread right and so if it's black liberation if it's healing or if it's support or if it's cooperative economics whatever it is that it's a collective and we all like i know the youth that are like in our organization or in our work like i mean they know so much more about what's happening whether it's in the the you know the tapping in or social media which is a very important you know, a uh, thing to tap into if you're trying to get your word out, all of that, they know far much better. And they even told me, they're like, listen, you got all these old folks who follow you, but you, you know, you're talking about you want to connect with the youth. You ain't got a single youth following you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I was like, yeah, that's true. I don't even like, they're, they, they're like, yeah. So there's, there's just that type of, of feedback loop um, that we have to embrace. And I think sometimes as we become older, our egos get in the way of listening to, you know, to some youth. And we're just like, I already know you haven't been there. Yeah, they haven't been there for our time, but they weren't created for our time. They were created for a new time. That's why they're here. And sometimes we're blocking them from doing, from leading in the way that they're supposed to be leading. This is, this is, uh, and we've talked about this a million times, like a- activism is, is so often led by youth. Um, but they can also, they can all tell stories about how some old heads was trying to, trying to block them or undermine them. So it, it just takes listening. And, and again, back to this community building overall. So I know we went over, over time. So just my apologies, but folks want to just, you know, uh, you know, have a closing thought about, um, particularly we have one more, uh, one more show, uh, Ray, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, uh, the next show, um, our last one for this, uh, calendar year. Um, Doc Simmons, you want to start us off, bro? Yeah, man. I, I just want to wish everybody uh, restful, relaxed in 2021. Uh, and uh, just excited to see y'all uh, continue to rise and soar uh, uh, with uh, with a black hands. Just happy to be in community with y'all brothers. It's not often that uh, black men in particular get a chance to just sit and 
and just talk about the world of life. So just, uh, uh, you know, I want to wish everyone uh, a restful and as relaxing as possible remainder of 2021. Appreciate that. Let's go from Doc to Doc. Oh, yeah, man. Well, one, uh, appreciate the conversation. And Doc Simmons, thank you for being here. Uh, you know, I, I, I've already said a bunch about uh, about, you know, um, about Ablo. And I, I know that Ray might have something there, too. I know he was a big fan of Off-White and just the man itself. Um, but I'll just give an example of what an elder did for me today. Miss um, Cynthia, who is the NAACP education chair in Oakland, I don't know. We just had to connect because she needed a phone number, but she ended up like just lifting me up for 15 minutes. I don't know what put on her heart to do. I don't know what would like just random. Like she just does stuff like that and was just like, yo, you need it. We need you here. And she was just great. Uh, and and just little stuff like that, man. I would I'll run through a wall for that lady. And I, but I think that those type of relationships, I think, like you said, that mentorship is a two way thing where I offer something to that relationship and and she just gives me a lot. So thank you for pouring into me. And uh, and for the folks out there, I hope you get a chance to just rest, man. It's been a crazy year. This is not normal stuff. We are not in normal times. And, you know, and I, I try to keep going as if it's normal. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that shit work and sometimes it don't. So, you know, I wish everybody good health um, to, to my fellow castmates, man, who are fathers. Uh, I just like lifting y'all up, man. I, I saw uh, King Richard. I love that story. I thought about y'all three. I thought about uh, my friend and uh, and I'll just lead us because somebody, you know, it, it, just around what Dash can do. I have a friend in Oakland and, you know, he always like we always he would always bring his son around and have us talk with him and be around him and show him love. You would see the report cards and all that. And one day his son made a mistake. And then his dad was like, hey, man, you got to call up all them brothers and tell them what you did. And his kid was like, what? He was like, "Nah, man, if you take the love and all this stuff from them, you got to also be held accountable to this tribe of people that love you, man. And I think that was just one of the dopest things I had ever saw somebody do. Um, and I and, and that that young that little boy has turned into an amazing young man. And I just wanted to shout out uh, my friend Mylon for just setting those examples of what, how powerful black dads can be in shaping the next generation of dope men. That will not be a broken black man. And his dad is gonna make sure of it. So salute to you brother and the rest of you dads on here. RQ, that like, like, hey, what, is that? what is that? Is that yeah. like some old, you know, GQ, tell me. Oh, okay. Oh, oh RQ. Yeah, like a term? Oh, oh, okay. Got it. I get it. Is that your line name or? Uh, hey, we don't, hey, we're not talking about Greek talk. I'll talk to you, Charles, about Greek talk. We're not <laughs> talking you talk to, to me and Robert. Appreciate, that don't appreciate Greek life, and we're not talking to people that are starting their own fraternity <laughs> about Greek life, right? We're not going to do that, right? So, Yo, so, why you got to uh, put us out there like show, that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Upcoming show Wednesday. Uh, two dope boys in a Pontiac plugging that right now with Dr. Robert Simmons. Um, we got uh, we got Dr. Heather Harrison this week mm. talking about Girls Inc. So that's gonna be a dope show. So check us out Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Yeah, the teacher. And then next Sunday, to close us out, next Sunday to close us out, we got uh, Dr. Julian Vasquez Helic, and we'll be talking about CRT. And so that's that's a that's a big draw for us, Charles. UK stand up. Uh, Absolutely. Wait, wait, y'all gonna talk to him about his position on charter schools too? No. Sir. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! This, no, sir. Okay, I'm gonna go on mute. 
because <laughs> I need to see I need to see some fire because this dude gets on a kick about okay. charters and I'm like, dog, you wasn't what's, even what's a Oh, I don't oh. know what's happening right now. Oh, what? <laughs> so so wait, he ain't even pick up no chalk and go into a classroom. Welcome to the show, Robert. So yes, <laughs> this is. <laughs> so so, but I'm you know, the, the, crazy thing, the, the crazy thing about that, uh, <laughs> Doctor Simmons, is that you two have heat for charter schools, and nobody just dragged you into the conversation like that. Right. So, yeah, but I wasn't finished. Right. So <laughs> you guys were talking. You guys were talking. We're seeing, about well, Simmons, like, we're seeing like there are ways that we can also just elevate above. You know, we got to unify where we can. And so they're going to talk about the areas that we do agree on. Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? Like this. Yeah. I can give this ain't, you that. This ain't a this ain't a got this ain't a got you show, yo. We come and we protect each other. We find uh we we find common interests, right? Common and interest. uh and we 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 converge interests. That's what we do, right? And so right. you know, black people ain't got to be at each other's throats all the time. We got to protect each other, especially with these white right. people coming at us the way they coming at us. Right. Anyway, so I had a breakthrough today, right? Can mm. I get the screen, super producer? I know you uh you you on OT right now, and so. My breakthrough today was 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 very simple, right? So I went to New Jersey. I own a condo in New Jersey that I'm selling because the market is amazing right now. And so I had a storage unit, right? I no longer have a storage unit, but I emptied it today. But in that storage unit, it had uh, it it had possessions that were like over ten years old when I was just living and I was just a terrible person, right? So like ten years ago, like I just wasn't like I just wasn't a good person. I was doing things that I I had no business doing, and like I just but emptying uh, the storage um, the the storage unit allowed me to kind of close some and tie some ends up in terms of just like who I want to be as a person. So it's like a continual growth cycle for me. And so, um, you know, speaking in terms of just like being vulnerable or whatever, like sometimes you got to go in and you got to just purge things, right? You you see some stuff and as opposed to you just saying, you know what, I could have did this or I should have did that or whatever. Just throw that shit away, right? And just start afresh, start a new, uh, love your life moving forward. Um, and, and just, 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 just be thankful at the fact that you are waking up every day and make the best of the moments. So that is my advice to y'all. That is my solution oriented, uh, how to heal during toxic to- toxicity and trauma. Uh, shout out to elements of education KC. I hope you heard that. And, you know, thanks for those who were able to just uh, stick with us all this. Oh, time. it's really, I didn't, I didn't, again, Ray, I didn't know if you want to say something about Virgil, brother. I, you know, I know you. Was oh, a big yes, man. So, so, so we, we lost, right, we Ray, lost. I just thought he would have been like, yeah, yeah. We, we lost a Titan in, in, the, in the fashion world, man. We were actually just talking, one of my fraternity brothers was just talking about that as well. Uh, Louis Vuitton, Off-White. Um, man, I just bought a Louis bag too. Ooh, right. So, um, you know, a rare form of cancer uh, didn't really share with folks what was going on because just trying to live life to the moment. And then I think that that's another thing, uh, you know, about black folks or whatever, especially black folks that I'm in community with. They don't really be sharing, their, 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 you know, the things that be going on with regards to health. Right. And so I'm going to be an oversharer. Right. Because like I want people to be uh, at my funeral talking real good about the good times they had with me. I want a celebration of life to occur when I go out, right? Uh, I want that thing to be jam-packed, refrain invited, 
And, and <laughs> I'm gonna pray for you, bro. I'm gonna pray for you. Extra, extra these days. Yeah, but that's 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 my energy. But I appreciate that though, Charles. Man, that was a good dude. And he had a real eye for fashion. Like a lot of people don't really have eyes for fashion the way that he did, right? Like I've never I've seen a couple of pieces that I'm like, eh, I'm saying, I don't rock with everything, but, but what he was able to do was was crazy. Yeah. So, Sharif, yeah, yeah. I just knew that was going to be a moment for both of us. So go ahead, brother. No, listen, whether whether there's, you know, supports healing and stuff like that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. But listen, you know, we just want to uh, thank everybody for being a part of this journey with us. Um, as Ray said, we'll have a, another show. Tune in uh, to Dope Boys in a Pontiac on Wednesday and then on Sunday, close us out with uh, for 2021. And we are looking forward to seeing you all and continuing to build community uh, with solutions in mind. I think that's a really important um, feedback. And also for us to acknowledge that we don't have all the solutions. Some of it is really dialogue and helping us process what we're experiencing as as black men, as black fathers, as father figures, as mentors, as mentees um, and as educators who are committed to the eight million black children. So with that, thank you all for joining us. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, Elmecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.